Welcome back to the Draper Dialogues. DJ Draper here today. It's part two of our interview with the Wizard King, Orin Veidt. You caught the last episode here with part one. You heard about his upbringing into the sport. Well, here we go with all the heartwarming information about deathmatch wrestling straight from the man himself. It's Orin Veidt, the Wizard King, back for part two of this interview on the Draper Dialogues. So now we're going to transition into, uh, I guess your career kind of went in a couple phases. You started out, of course, in the AWF, uh, Mm -hmm. sports entertainment at its core here with a lot of the crowds that we have in high school gyms and uh, local municipal festivals, etc. And at some point you decided uh, along the way, I presume that you wanted to try this whole deathmatch thing out and I just got to give some context here when I started following indie wrestling going to shows at the West St. Paul Armory and some other places around town uh, Nick Mondo was huge on the scene back then and I even even had a pair of those uh, parachute pants I'm trying to remember uh, what yeah. they were called and, and started to watch some of this deathmatch stuff and pretty cool went out to the hardcore cup in Milwaukee once it was um, the other MAW that ran uh, back then. And then I saw that thing with the weed whacker, and I just had to get back a bit. And I'm like, what are these people doing to themselves? So I got to ask you, Ward, how did you get into this, and what in the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> so I got into it as a kid. Um, I saw Sabu, Terry Fun, Born to Be Wired, the stereotypical, like, oh, Oh, that's how I knew I wanted to be a hardcore slash deathmatch wrestler. That was the match. Um, my grandma bought me an ECW, like, bloodiest matches. And um, oddly enough, the first match on that is Axel and Ian Rotten in a Taipei deathmatch. Uh, I I told Big Sep when I was training, I'm like, I want to do hardcore stuff. I want to do deathmatch stuff. And he told me, don't ever, don't you ever do that stuff because you are too good of a wrestler. <laughs> um and so I, I went, obviously I'd done a little bit of hardcore in the AWF, uh, much to the chagrin of Tony Danucci. <laughs> I kind of did, did my own thing and uh, <laughs> reaped the, the consequences afterwards. But um, I, I kind of got, I surprisingly enough did some networking and got my way out to IWA Mid-South. When you're at IWA Mid-South, that is, built on deathmatch wrestling and hardcore wrestling. Uh, did did a couple normal matches, and then they were doing a, a Prince of the Deathmatch tournament. And I said, okay, like, can I be in this? And I got the, the go-ahead, like, yeah, sure, you can be in this. And did it. Wait, to be clear, the go-ahead was... from Tony DiNucci or the go-ahead from IWA Mid-South? <laughs> the go-ahead from IWA Mid-South. I've never asked Tony DiNucci for the go-ahead on anything, <laughs> unfortunately, for my career in the AWF. Um, I uh, got the go-ahead and did it, and I was like, "This, yep, this is it. This is what I want to do. I'm going to be a deathmatch wrestler. This is incredible. And kind of kind of took off from there. Then ICW Milwaukee, I was already a roster member there, but they then started to do more deathmatch stuff. Uh, it's run by a longtime deathmatch wrestler, I would say legend because he's done a lot of stuff in a lot of cool places. Uh, Dysfunction. 
And um, actually, uh, Ring announced his very first show back in two thousand and three, I would believe. Uh, would no have been. way. And, yeah, it was at an American Legion in Milwaukee. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think his ma- uh, world champion was Sean Devari. Uh, CM Punk was Never, on the show. Right. Ace Steel was on the show. Austin Aries, I believe Dino Bambino. Not a whole lot in the way of death matches, though. No, but he was it. just uh, had to have been in no more than three years at that point, if that. Oh yeah, that that sounds sounds like sounds like this. That's that's crazy. I didn't know that. Long time ago, but. Uh, yeah, so then he started running more deathmatch stuff, and I said, hey, hey man, and I want to I wanna do more of this deathmatch stuff. Uh, and that was, and then in July, I started doing deathmatches. Then in August, I won the Insane 8, which was crazy. And then that's a, that's a deathmatch tournament that he runs. And my career just started slowly taking off with death matches and I was like, well, screw this normal wrestling stuff. I don't need to do that anymore. So if you had to say one thing, uh, and we're not going to put the cute uh, B-roll of this on the video, though that's subject to change in post-production, I suppose, depending on which direction the producer of this uh, program wants to take it, that'd be me. Uh, what's the craziest thing that you have done inside the ring when it comes to a death match? I've definitely, I've done, I've done the weed whacker. Um, I would, I would say the, I've done a lot of stupid stuff, DJ. I would, I would say um, the, the dumbest thing that I've done is. I said crazy. I didn't say dumb necessarily, but they might be mutually inclusive. Um, craziest I've, I've done the, done the big scalp. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty adrenaline inducing. Uh, the, the craziest I think would probably be the, the tattoo needles to the head and then the syringe to the cheek. Oh my God. Yeah. How? Oh, well, I guess, I, I guess don't know knife if I boards. I guess knife boards. I land on knife boards a lot. I, I did I not know that so was a thing I until I heard about, about you falling into this knife board. How does that even? Yeah. Uh, why? You I'm just, just gonna ask. You why? Just slap some knives, slap some knives down, make sure they're blade up, and have a good time. You know. Oh my god. I, I I land on them often that I totally forget about how gnarly that is. Gnarly, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask the question. We've we've seen your body out there. We've seen uh, the scars, the impact that this has done to you. Do you think there's going to be a point down the road where you're going to say to yourself, damn it, Oren, why did I, why did I do this to myself? Do I just, I just regret having gone down that path and should have just listened to my trainer, Big Sep, when he told me never to do that. Is there a chance of that happening? I've thought about that a lot um, because yeah, there, there is. There's era like there's unchangeable evidence now. Like my my body is mutilated. I have a copious copious amount of scars. Um, and like I've thought about what it would be like if I had to find a new relationship. You know what? What's my son gonna think? He loves it. He I told him he will never be a deathmatch wrestler, but he thinks it's super cool. Um, 
I I don't think so. I think that I I'm very proud of what I've done, um, and where where death matches alone have taken me. So I think these these scars are a good are a good story, and in some of them I I can point at them and say like, hey, this this happened from this, and this happened from that. A lot of them are like, I don't know where that one happened. I don't, maybe here. But I, I don't think so. I, I think that there's that I'll, I'll wear pretty proudly. But I do get a lot of a lot of weird looks. Like when gyms are open, <laughs> you can tell people, oh, does he have some type of disease? Or, you know, like uh, a Benjamin Stacks always gives me gives me crap and says, like, you look distinct. Those are, put, <laughs> put those away. So here in the AWF, uh, you've been rather provocative, shall we say, uh, You've said some things, even on our own television program, which, to be frank, I'm shocked the censors allowed to go over the airwaves. Uh, in this sport, when you have so many wrestlers just wanting to stay on the rails when it comes to their remarks and to how they talk about things, and maybe that's something we're trying to change a little bit here with the show, and I know some of uh, the other uh, podcasters and uh, other digital media are trying to change perhaps uh what made you decide to be so provocative and it might not have even been a conscious decision but why do you think that you're different from so many others in that regard you know i was i'm really glad that you're asking this question because i've never had like a good chance to answer it not on, on like a not on like a public forum um i think a lot of it is i just I've never been a yes man. I've never been somebody that just says what he's supposed to say uh, just to keep his spot or, you know, keep his position. I, I feel what I feel and I see what I see. And to me that, that reflects more on me positively. If I'm calling, you know, a spade a spade, if I'm, if I'm calling out what I see is wrong, as wrong. Uh, I might not do it in the best way, I uh, I definitely do it in a very public way. I don't take to the side, but I think that a big reason for that is I want people to know that what they're getting from me is what they're getting. I don't want them to be like, well, he's telling me this, but what is he actually feeling? Like, but they know. Every everybody knows whether it's Tony Danucci or anybody else. They they know how I feel and why i feel it and i make it very clear so that way and granted tony and i have for better or worse gone back and forth a million times he has kicked me out of the company a gazillion times and he he's even told me on this on this last go around that i've that I've, since i've been back that he appreciates that i say what i say because he knows what he's getting from me he knows that like he knows who I am and, and what I kind of stand for. And he, he can respect that, that he's getting that from me. So I, I feel like that's, that's a big thing is I, I want people to know who I am and why I feel that way. Earlier on, you mentioned a little bit about the legacy that you want to leave in the sport. Uh, what do you have to do that you haven't had the chance to do yet? Do you have any goals uh, either in the AWF or elsewhere uh, what's ahead for you or invite in the sport? Man, well, for one, I need a longer than one night AWF title reign. Uh, Was I that even a full that. night? 
No, I don't think so. I think Alexandria, Minnesota. I'm trying to remember the <laughs> yep. month from the day. Yep, it was Alexandria, uh, the 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 first ever Orin in the bank cash in. Um, and so I, I definitely want that. Uh, oddly enough, I, I, I genuinely do want that just because it was, that's where I started. It's where I, where I came from. Um, and I never really got that chance probably due to my own fault, but, um, I've, I've really been lucky enough to do everything that I wanted to do in my career so far. Um, there's some big deathmatch tournaments like, uh, Tournament of Death, the uh, IWA uh, King of the Death match. There's there's a lot of big big things like that. But like, I've been to Japan and I'm barely like just five years in. That was my that was my goal, my unrealistic lofty goal that I set for myself starting wrestling was you have five years to get to Japan. If you can't get to Japan in five years, you need to reconsider what you're doing. Hmm. And I did it. I did it before five years. And that blew my mind. It was so surreal to me that that was the case, that this lofty goal that I thought there was no way that's happening happened. I've got to go to Mexico, which I didn't even know I wanted, but now can't wait to go back. Um, I've done a lot of really cool things in a career for somebody that probably had no right to having this career, but I've, I've worked hard at it and I've, I've had a really awesome career so far and I'm just getting started. Gotta say, you've got a pretty broad perspective on things, uh, as you said, five years in, uh, with the controversy, with the provocative comments, how you're able to be, at the end of the day, so grounded as you look from a 30,000-foot view on this sport. I've got to say, I, I would hope most of the fans are pretty impressed with that takeaway. Uh, before we let you go, uh, we're going to switch to some... Uh, questions that we had from social media and some other random ones. Uh, Adam on Facebook asks, what's your favorite match that you've been a part of? Ooh, favorite match. That's easy. Uh, versus G-Raver uh, at GCW. Uh, it was January 4, January 12th, 11th or 12th of last year in Chicago for GCW 400 Degrees. That was my, my breakout um, in gcw and it really put me on the map that was if if you can stomach deathmatch wrestling that is the match to watch uh dndt hope i got that right there on twitter uh who is your favorite opponent and why is it tony danucci have you even had the opportunity to lock up with tony danucci in the ring it's three times three times three i wasn't even or invite then i wasn't even or invite when i when i wrestled oh there was the uh Eagle Brook Church was that right? Was that? Yep. There, there was Eagle Brook Church. Yeah, which was oddly really cool for somebody like me. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, and then there was the show later that that weekend. That's um, that Tony and I wrestled in the main event on. His brother was there. I want to say. Oh, yes, um, that was the Rosemont Leprechaun days. A That's the one. Huge crowd that we had uh, to see <laughs> uh, Jason yeah. Perry, who's made it in the music business. Uh, when you talk about two brothers that could not be more diametrically different, uh, level-headed, calm uh, Jason Perry, and then his, his brother, Tony <laughs> Danucci, who has never 
dialing it below an 11 uh, ever. And not, just to see those I, two interact was something else. <laughs> so, you, yeah. You mentioned your, of course, favorite opponent being Tony DiNucci. Uh, to follow that up, uh, DJ and Hugo asks, if you wrestled Tony DiNucci in a death match, what would be your preferred stipulation, and why would it be a church bulletin on a pole match? <laughs> um, that, that, well, that would be a good one. No, I think I'd make Tony do a, do a no-row barbed wire match. For sure. Right? But you know what? You, the weird part about that is I bet he would say yes. I bet I bet you could get him to say yes to that. Do you think he would put on a shirt or anything else to try to Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I and then I would call him a coward and then try to get him to take it off. <laughs> but I, I bet I bet I could get him to say yes to that. I mean he's had hardcore matches. I've watched him. He's never had him with me. But I bet I could get him to do one. I bet I could get him to do no rope barbed wire. And you have the one, uh, I don't know if we'll call it a death match, but you and I believe Damon Spriggle went at it at the Nordic Brewing Company uh, where there was some destruction done. So I think there is capacity within the AWF. I don't know for necessarily no rope barbed wire, but what do you think it's going to take to get Tony DiNucci to maybe go ultraviolet with you? Violet, Uh. not violet. Ultraviolet lights, maybe, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I bet if I if I told them that, because oddly enough, as much as I irritate him, I know he's got some respect for what I do. So I think if I if I pitched it just right, I could get him to to give in at least to some good good hardcore, maybe some thumbtacks and and some doors and, and a little bit of little bit of lunacy in the AWF. I know he will never allow glass in the AWF, but I bet I could get him to do some thumbtacks and doors. Well, if you just introduce the glass to the ring, then he's in yeah, there. Yeah, he can't do it. He can't do about it. And then he'll just <laughs> yeah. fire you again, right? Yeah, I mean, after the match. <laughs> uh, Nate on Twitter asks, favorite side slam, best Falcon Arrow? Favorite side slam, Dino Bravo, period. Dino Bravo guy. I am... Big fan of Dino Bravo. Uh, if you aren't a fan of Dino Bravo, you don't like good wrestling. Is, is my is my take on that. Um, best Falcon Arrow is probably me, uh, for sure. Uh, I have multiple variations of it. Sometimes I'll run across the ring. Sometimes I'll run across the ring and throw the guy. Sometimes do it off the top. Sometimes do it in the middle. You know, I'm I'm a versatile versatile player. BWS, we'll call him on Twitter, uh, wants to know more about your experiences wrestling over in Japan uh, and specifically your death match against Takeda. Any uh, any recollections there? Oh, the That Takeda match is infamous. Um, it is infamous because there was a... Um, there was a, uh, a knife board and... <laughs> The knife board was a little too sharp, so... Wait, they're knives, isn't we that go... the point? Yeah, but... I always heard they that were... sharper knives were more safe than dull knives. You'd, you'd think so, <laughs> um, but... so they were, they were big butcher knives, which we usually use, like, serrated knives. Oh, uh, gotcha. We use, we, use but, we use butcher knives, too, but typically, uh, typically serrated knives, and... 
they were they were really really thick and they were brand new which normally is fine but we we took the bump we did the the side slam where i i put him on it and it just annihilated his back uh he needed i think only 50 stitches which was a miracle only because it looked like it looked like he had gills on his back um you could see the bone in his elbow it was it was bad it was it was very bad and that was rough because one i have so much respect for him as a uh as a wrestler and just as a person he he was so so cool and um the the other part is that that's his livelihood that is that's what he does and i i took that from him with with an accident which we can't control but we uh it it was it was unfortunate and i literally got interviewed by the japanese police for Ooh. attempted homicide and i was like no that was an accident i would never do that oh yeah. my god yeah it was it it was that it was that serious it was of an injury well let's hope that we never have anyone called uh when it relates to the police and the AWF, except maybe an after party sure getting not. out of control, uh, which has never yeah, oh, happened before, you, ever. You 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 know those after parties of the AWF. Uh, another question here: uh, favorite light bulb brand, Sylvania, Phillips, or something else? Phillips, Phillips, always Phillips. We we're we're, we're big Phillips users. They they really suck when they're brand new. Let me tell you, when they're when they're brand new and you're swinging them, oh. Oof! It's like it's the blunt force plus the sharp. It's crazy. Really sucks. So would you almost rather just go on Craigslist and get whatever someone's given away than get brand new? Yeah, you'd you'd rather do that and then take the take the cloth to to clean them up and just get any dust and stuff off of them, uh, because then they they break a little easier. The the brand new ones, oh, it's it's literally like getting hit by a baseball bat. It hurts so bad. Honest to God, I had no idea there would be an actually uh, enlightening answer from that question. But, wow, uh, you never know where you're going to go when you're interviewing or invite. Uh, favorite thumbtack vendor, Office Max, a big box store like Walmart, or do you go online to somewhere like Amazon? You got you to gotta go online. Um, oddly enough, American thumbtacks, anywhere you try to get them, not good. Oh. They, they, don't stick, they don't stick in the skin. Japanese thumbtacks, oh my god, worst thing in the world. Um, I I landed in I think it was sixty five hundred Japanese thumbtacks, oh. and I think I had about sixty two hundred in my body. They were all in yeah, me, god. and it was a nightmare. <laughs> I have a really good picture on social media of my back just covered, and then that doesn't even show like my arms, the front of my legs. Uh, my stomach, my hands. It was that. That sucked. That sucked a lot. Oofta. Uh, do you enjoy cayenne pepper? No, no, no. That's like tear gas. Kyle Pro broke a jar of cayenne pepper in a rookie deathmatch tournament, and like There's rookie deathmatch tournaments. My God, <laughs> that's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it, and it tear gas the whole venue which can only hold like 150 people it was a nightmare and then like i had to go in and sub in in the main event 
as like the final boss of the tournament, which was really fun. But I I give a dude a suplex through a pane of glass, and when I do it, my like one the cayenne pepper pops up in the air and falls back down on you, and two it was on my wrist tape, so I go to wipe my face you can't get rid of afterwards. No, and it just goes in my eyes and in my cuts, and it was oh, it was a nightmare. I remember the worst. seeing something about that posted, but I guess I never really heard the vivid consequences therein of that spice. I was sitting on in the crowd screaming, "No, no, 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 no! Put that down!" And in typical Kyle Pro fashion, <laughs> um, instead of setting the jar down, he was. He's like, no, you guys want to see this? No. And he throws it down. And this, like, big five, like, or not five-gallon, but, like, gallon-sized pickle jar just bursts. The worst. Oh, wow. Uh, Orin Vite, uh, how can folks stay connected with you on social media? Uh, you got any merchandise that uh, is for sale anywhere that folks can access? Um. I'm at or invite on everything. I've, I've kept it pretty streamlined. Uh, you can, you can find me that way on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and all my merch. I kind of go through, go through myself right now. So if you want my death otter shirts, you can, you can message me and I will, I will reply and I will send them to you personally. I'm working on getting a, a pro wrestling tea store up in the next week or so. So we're, we're getting around to that and maybe some other, Maybe some other merch things. I've got all this time now, so <laughs> might as well be creative. Any closing words out there for the AWF fans in social media land? Uh, well, I hope you continue to support the AWF and uh, support me when I come back and become the champion, which is bound to happen. It can't not happen. All right, looking forward to it. And, of course, looking forward to uh, the next time that Tony Danucci fails to make his way over to the broadcast position in time. And you're always there to grab that seat, put on that headset, and do color commentary with me. Can't wait for the next time it. for that to happen either. I love it. All right, well, I was going to say be safe, but be safe to the extent someone who goes through thumbtacks, glass, barbed wire, knives, and all the rest can be. You'll be well, Orrin. All right, you too, DJ. Well, there you go. That's part two of our interview with Oren Vite. Definitely the sort of guy that pushes the boundaries when it comes to both what he does inside the ring and regarding his remarks, not just on this show, but elsewhere as well. You're always going to know where you stand with this man. He's not one to play the political game that often happens in this sport. And really, I think he's fine with whatever consequences come with that he's able to look himself in the mirror and bounce right back and do things his way and if that means he gets fired from a company half dozen dozen times uh, that's the, he's fine with uh, moving forward in that fashion so there you go that's part two of our interview with Orin Vite. we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you're enjoying this podcast if you are be sure to hit that subscribe button give us the five star review Again, feel free to connect with us. I am at DJ Danielson on Twitter, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash proAWF, and our website, proAWF.com. We hope to be bringing you live AWF events again in the near future, of course, only when it is safe to do so. Thanks for joining us today, and we will catch you next time. So long.